You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Brave new radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. Wednesday at 8 p.m. I'm your professor, David Kirkthope, along with your Dr. Esteban. Marconi. He said it. He said yes. It. Here we go. How's everything, Dr. Esteban Marconi? Uh, slow, quiet. Um, you know, you ask the same questions, three questions of whoever you meet. How are you? What'd you eat? And what'd you watch? That's right. That's How are you? What'd you eat? What'd you watch? <laughs> and that will be the basis of our interview today with Kate Hunt. That's right. I'm going to say the same thing that we say, say to anyone. Say yeah. to Kate, too. If but we've remembers. done well, actually, in this break. We've had some good interviews. We had a great interview with um, the guys from Sound Talent Group. We had a mm-hmm. interview with Keith Halprich from, um, from BMG and uh, Aaron Van Dyne right. and Sinclair from Atlantic. Our guest today is Kate Hyman, VP of A&R for BMG, and she will be with us shortly. Generally, our engineer is Ashley Veltner, but she's not our engineer at the time because of the COVID. So she's at home cohabitating with her family, and we are in our subsequent homes. Make sure you go to musicbiz101wp.com. Follow us there on the newsletter. Sign up for it. Get it. We're on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Botchbook at musicbiz101wp. This may be a podcast, and it will be, and you're going to listen to it on iTunes and SoundCloud. Want us to give thanks, Dr. Esteban? Sure. We want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. at White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com <laughs> when you are ready. And our thanks go out to Christine. Boy. They. A wealth manager, a wealth manager at the Forefront Group with an F-O-R-E group. Actually, I have Forefront spelled, I spelled it wrong. It's F-O-U-R, Forefront, like number four, Front Group. Correct. What? what? I got that wrong, doctor. Christine has helped many professionals at the University of William Patterson manage their investments, plan for their retirement. When you are thinking of building a bridge to your financial future, you want to think about the Forefront Group with an F-O-U-R, the Forefront Group. And you want to go to Christine Dot. Oi. They at Forefront with an F-O-U-R dot com. Be the last oil for savings. Yes, and you should. And, and I believe knowing her, that, her email is really Christine at Forefront dot com. And what did we say? They. Ah, uh, so, so we have the wrong uh, email address? We I will double check that after our show. Because I have christine.vay. I could have some of my people. Would you guys check that, please? Yeah, they're going to let us know by the end of the show. That, that's good. So we're going to have a, a great show for you listeners today because Dr. Esteban has all his people with him, and they're, they're pulling strings. Ah, there she is. Hi, guys. I'll have to ask you the three questions we ask everybody. Okay. That is, how are you? What did you eat? And what did you watch? I'm well. Um, my family is well. Good. My my best friend Hal Wilner died. Oh yes, we know that. It's terrible. Um, I just spoke with Marianne Faithful, who is in hospital in London. She's my daughter's godmother. Oh, she's got. And a- she is. She had Corona. She's in her seventies. 
She gets out of hospital in one week. Wow. She just called me um, to yell at me for being so upset. She's got Courtney Love and Michael Stipe running around London buying her caviar and cashmere blankets because she's, um, I know she's better. She's got everybody running around for her and uh, going crazy. Michael's like, I don't know what kind of caviar. I don't know what cap. I mean, I know nothing about caviar. And she's like, I'm dying for caviar. So uh, that's good news. So there's good, there's bad, but it's hit two of my best friends and one surviving and the other died. Was she on a ventilator? No, that's the best part. Usually when you're on a ventilator, you do not get off. Yeah. How are you guys? I'm gonna ask you the same question. Right in the middle of it, but doing okay. Very precautious, very, yes. very paranoid. But good. You have, to, um, you have to do that Groundhog Day every day. So what's BMG paying you to do right now? We are so organized in terms of working remotely. I've actually, we have um, Trello, we have Okta, we have um, Microsoft meetings. I'm used to working from home. I think I've gotten more done in the last two, three weeks than I would have done in the last two, three months. Mm-hmm. I've signed three artists. I've talked to my artists more than ever. We've come up with unbelievably creative ideas because we have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm convincing the artists and they're not, it's easy for them. I'm saying, don't wait with your music, put it out, get it out there. This is now the time. I had a little bit of a dispute with the label. They wanted to hold things off mm-hmm. and sad story, sad story about how his T-Rex compilation, they kept pushing it back. Now it's coming out on the first track on April 29th. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had this call in March where they moved it from April 1st. And I I got angry and I said, who's, who knows who's gonna be around at that point. Right now, I feel like people are at home. They're listening to music. I've listened to more music than I ever have and the company said that streaming isn't up. And I said, well, have you considered that between restaurants and boutiques and department stores and coffee shops, um, streaming is down there, but I would tell you that it's going up in people's homes and it is starting to go up. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's no reason not to put music out and the other reason not to put music out is because it makes people happy um, and gives them hope. So I'm just saying, stop worrying about press, stop worrying about setup. Um, there is no real setup when it comes to you know physical mm-hmm. and uh, get the music out and mm-hmm. let it go viral. And if it's a new artist, that's how you break a new artist anyway um and if it's an established artist they don't need the setup they just need a bunch of online press so um i think everybody's starting to think that way which is thrilling we have not stopped signing we uh are signing a lot of writers um I've just signed uh, Robert, Robin Zander, who is Robin Zander from Cheap Tricks' son. And he is spectacular. Um, doesn't sound like his dad, he sounds like the Beatles. Um, and this amazing band called Bendigo Fletcher. There was a bidding war for the records and Electra signed them, but I signed them to publishing. And this band Suitcase Junket, Publishing and Records, so I pretty much have signed three things in the last two weeks. What about the Americana label? The Americana label, I signed Suitcase Junket to and Bendigo Fletcher. I told them to do a very short-term deal at Electra, <laughs> so that when they fail, they can come over to us. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but that record, they're putting out an EP, they're working on the new album. They happen to all have been together when this all started. They're best friends from school. So they can work together as a band. Mm. They all live in the same house, wow. which is very lucky. Um, my husband is writing the album that he's wanted to write for a long time, a new album. Mm. Um, but he makes a lot of money from producing and a lot of producers I feel bad for. I feel bad for the artists that make their living from touring. We're using all of these sites for live concerts. Um, and I don't love going out to shows, so it's fantastic. I can stay home and watch concerts. This band, Suitcase Junket, is like a one-man band. He plays everything at once. Couldn't be more perfect. Sounds like Jimi Hendrix and it's just him. And there are all these sites where people donate money. Um, and he did one of them, and he's not that well-known yet. And he made over $1,000. Mm -hmm. So, which was, would be a bit more than if he was playing a show. Yeah. So there is a way for artists online. You know, everybody is so creative right now and so supportive. So anyone who can afford and still has an income is being generous. But, you know, obviously there's ups and downs. I think artists are writing more music than they ever have. Um, and hopefully that will all come to an amazing fruition, if not now, then later. But, you know, it brings you back to the fact that it's pop music, meaning it should come out when it's done, like right away, because it's basically a record of the time that you wrote it. That's mm. like old school, when they used to put records out within a week. And I think everybody's starting to think that way right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're involved in a movie. We just start, we just financed a couple of movies. Um, we have people writing plays, um, theatrical plays, which can continue. So we have a lot of writers. And I talked to the woman who is in charge of documentaries. And a few months ago, I, I said to her, we should do some animation for kids and also, you know, using some of our artists' music and also do some animation um, using records as the background story. And she was like, we're not doing animation. And she called me yesterday and said, okay, we're ready to do animation. <laughs> so believe it or not, I'm actually having fun at work. And I, I'm hoping that other people are as well. Our company is pretty progressive. They send us, they're open for everything. And they send us emails every day with games for the kids to play, with goofy things like a hat contest where everybody has to dress up in a hat and there's winners. Um, every single day we get an email with recipes. They've been wonderful like a real family and the best is coming out in people. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And it's a great lesson for your students. I think to learn how to really use the internet in creative ways and how to develop artists in creative ways. Um, because once this passes, you know, they've had time to think and not just do the, Let's get a press person, let's market it, and let's put it out. And artists that can't fill rooms yet can do concerts online and grow their audience that way and not run out of money by doing these tours where there's like very few people in the rooms. So it's almost a step before, it's a step that we've learned that one can do before the... Um, artists suffer in the van and have to pay to play basically i'm sorry that was rather long-winded but <laughs> no but you told me that you are doing stuff to get your paycheck from B from bmg everybody's getting paid right um they're not letting anybody go 
probably even the people they were considering. In fact, they're hiring people. We've hired several new people. Wow. And our numbers so far this quarter, and we've, we've exceeded every year. So we have a lot of room. And the Bertelsmann Company have just invested hundreds of millions of dollars into the company. Mm-hmm. You guys are in good shape compared to the other part of the industry. Steve and I have spent a lot of time over the last few weeks interviewing people about the live side of the industry, speaking with agents and agencies and business managers and um, finding out that they are unsure what the future is. Yet for you guys on the recorded music side and also in publishing, it's not business as usual, but you can kind of build on what you're doing and you don't have to lose really a step because the music is still accessible and we can all stream it and see it on, uh, on live streams. So it's, you guys are actually in a, in a good position for this. Well, it's a very good reason for record companies and anyone who's multimedia to really be multimedia because we have more books being written um, we have plays being developed. There's all these things that one can do so that when things are changed, we, we're ready. We're, we're good to go. I think with the booking agents, I think they need to be creative as well and maybe um, somehow charge tickets for a concert, acoustic concerts online. I mean, they're going to lose some money, but they can make some money too. Um, I know that a lot of the heritage artists, um, I know Rufus Wainwright just did an amazing concert online. Um, there's no reason, and I don't think people would have a problem, particularly music fans, paying like a subscription to see these concerts. I mean, they would obviously all be acoustic, but some of them, particularly the pop acts, can do track to track. They can dance, um, and it's very intimate. I think our, um, I think that fans love that. I mean, that's something they crave, um, and they can do things where people actually speak and tell them a little bit about what they're going through. They can tell tell stories. Um, I think people would pay, and the booking agent could make money from that. I mean, it's not the perfect solution. But I don't think they should just give in and give up. Um, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Totally makes sense, yes. And I think that rather than thinking in the same way, we all have to think out of the box. And this is going to teach us. It really is going to teach us, whether it be a booking agent, whether it be an artist. Artists are getting paid direct, not through their labels. The labels can afford that for a little while if they care about the artist and it'll show them that they do. So public relations will be great. We have this T-Rex record and we had problems with U2 allowing the record, the, a single to come out that Bono called and said, forget that. You can put the single out whenever you want. Any problems that were legal about getting clearances on that record have gone away. Um, the lawyers have just blanket said, do what you need to do. We'll, we'll work it out later. People are really rising to the occasion. Um, and, and why wouldn't they? Okay. Anybody that isn't, isn't really the nicest of people. It's rather mm -hmm. selfish right now. Yeah. Who else have you been speaking with that, are, that is having a problem? Yesterday, we spoke with uh, an agency that's based in uh, San Diego and Philadelphia called Santana Group, and we spoke right. with two of the, two of the principals there, and yes. uh, they were talking about a mix of the science and a mix of the um, when it does, not so much what are we doing now until it comes back, but when it does come back, how is the live business going to be different? How are venues going to have to be? Will it be a slow rollout? Do venues need to change seating so that there's distancing between people? Will they need masks? Will they need infrastructure so that uh, security is protected and the venue workers are protected? And uh, are people going to have to pay more to cover, you know, fans going to pay more per ticket to cover all these other costs? Um, so things like that. It's, it's an interesting 
discussion? Personally, I think that they're thinking way too far ahead. They need to be thinking about now. Mm. Because who knows when, I mean, I hate to be a downer, but who knows when this is going to change. Right. Um, and a lot of kids are not going to go out um, way past the time that they're told to because their parents won't let them. Um, do you, so do you think it's going to rise at all until we get a vaccine? Or is I don't know. I think it might not because they're talking about, I wouldn't let my child go and she's 17 until there's a vaccine. Um, okay. And I am not a strict parent. I don't think she would want to go. Right. Um, yep. So I think, I think they need to get a little more creative. But we're also talking about when they do go out, we're much more paranoid here and aware in the Northeast than in other parts of the country. My daughter's at University of South Carolina. She's home now with her mother in Charleston. Good. And nothing like here. N nothing like here. What, what we um, here. Very few masks, et cetera. So people are, of course, we know about the wave and the, spike. the thing, but in general, the Northeast is much more aware and paranoid of this uh, contagion than well, other we have we country. have contagion coming up um, from the city and from New Jersey. Yeah, of course. A lot a lot of people we've had a few cases here and yeah. uh, I'd say ninety-five percent of them are people who came up from the city without Right. And that's what's happening in Florida. People are yeah. going down from here. Yeah. I know a few people who have and I've yelled at them. <laughs> uh, you can't be selfish at this point. Um, I think the touring business will be different forever. Um, I think that uh, people, maybe at least our generation, I think the kids are always feel like they're completely invulnerable and are going to live forever. Mm. And um, I think it's going to be a matter of you know, some serious parental guidance. And, um, and in, the mid, in the Midwest, things will change very quickly because sadly, this thing travels and there will be an issue in those. I mean, the fact that the, our president is saying, talking about opening up things for the economy in a few weeks is completely insane. Sure. Um, so we need to think that way and figure out how to survive, whether it being artists, booking agents. There's also a lot of these artists and booking agents have obviously LLCs or, you know, they're small businesses and there are grants galore that you can apply to so that you can keep your business going. Yeah. Um, there are grants for artists. There are grants for, I mean, they're doing that. Yeah. Um, I have an LLC. Um, so I can get a grant. I don't need to luckily. I'm one of the lucky people, right. but, um, but I truly believe that right now, it's a matter of people using their creativity and their brains to deal with what the reality is today. Um, and of course, think forward as well. Um, but if they have to, if a business has to close for a while and just get a grant and work with artists that have ways to do things and are excited about doing that, and those are the people they should be working with. Mm -hmm. um, and focusing on and they should be offering these things to these people rather than talking to the managers with no idea except maybe in September we can put a concert together um, the concert that I was putting together for Planned Parenthood right. was cancelled um, obviously we will do that as soon as we can, but we're not going to set a date. Um, mm -hmm. um, so 
I just feel like, you know, the world has changed forever. Even when this goes away, and I think businesses need to change forever as well. I think that um, there's a lot more communication on phones rather than just the internet and on Zoom. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think that emails were starting to make people less creative and just it was used for information. Mm -hmm. um, now you, you talk to attorneys, you talk to agents, you help each other, um, come up with ideas for people to survive. Mm -hmm. and, um, and right now it's our job to make money for the artists um, so they can eat and pay their bills. You had mentioned ideas that you had with your new artists and because you've had time to, to think and talk and all that. Um, is it, what besides live streaming are you thinking about? Or is everything tie into a live stream because that's a way that you're able to directly reach the fans? What are you, you know, what are some of the things I, that you're looking at? Well, there's a lot of artists that are terrible at keeping their websites together or even making them because um, they're too busy touring. No excuse now. So there's a way to increase their social presence. Um, and there's, I think they should all be doing that. Um, I think that writing great songs um, before it's two weeks before they're going into the studio or writing them in the studio. I mean, I always believe that if you come up with a great song in the studio, usually it's the best song on the record because it happens naturally. We're not going to be able to do that right now. But what artists need is time to write. And they make their money so much from touring that there's sometimes three years between an album, between albums. And people are on to the next one, which is why a lot of pop, pop artists and hip hop artists, not the huge names, but the ones that are trying to get in there, the new artists, it's so hard for them. Now they can actually, I suppose, hone their skills is the way to put it. Um, so that's another thing that I would recommend to them. And I think that if somebody writes a great song, they should get a publicist who, I know publicists who are online publicists who are charging either half of what they charge or asking for money as soon as things change because they want to stay busy. Mm -hmm. And, um, or making a part of the money that comes in from wherever it may come in. Um, and I think that those are things that can help artists can, you know, continue their careers. Um, I think in terms of sync for artists, um, those can be done as solo. We have Rufus Wainwright, he can write with a piano. Um, and do a song for a commercial. Um, there's several artists who can do that and they're being asked to do that. Um, and a lot of these commercials can continue in a graphic way, um, just using words online or as I was talking about before, animation. Um, and I'm hoping that all of these businesses are thinking the same way and getting creative. I think, uh, you know, there's ways to, a lot of artists have their own studios, thank God, and they may not be able to use the producer that they want, but people will have to appreciate that things might be lo-fi for a while and they'll accept that. And then there's artists that are pop artists who can write by themselves, a lot of them do, they know how. And they can send their music to a mixer or a remixer. That doesn't change. And that music can continue. I think hip hop will continue. At some point, we have to figure out how to pay artists so that they can survive without touring 
or they're just, I mean, they're not going to be able to get other jobs right now. Everyone's losing their jobs. I mean, do you have any ideas? I mean, you are a manager, David. So what, what, what have you thought about this? I'm just throwing it back at you for a second. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, cause we've talked about different things. Some of it is exactly what you're talking about is, is make sure you're taking advantage of the time and recording. If you can't be on the road right now, like you normally are, then yes, you need to be writing and communicating with everybody in the band and you need to figure out how can we develop songs and content and basically develop, oh, you know, spend the time and create a war chest of songs so that uh, when you do go back out on the road, whether that's six months from now or a year from now, you can really dedicate yourself to being on the road and um, put out that music as you go. The live stream thing works as long as there, there's some different things going on. There's some different sort of live stream festivals that you can connect with uh, where yeah. it's not always doesn't just have to be you. You can be connected with different things going on in, in New Jersey or, or different connections with uh, fundraisers because uh, one artist I work with, Zach Matari, um, did a live stream uh, last week that was with a, it was sort of a New Jersey based sort of live stream festival. Um, and then there, I just saw, my artists weren't involved in this, but I saw an Instagram the other day on Sunday, actually it was on Easter. There was an Instagram live and it was basically an Instagram live music festival and it was a fundraiser for a new venue that wants to open up in North Jersey. Called, I think it's like the Mayview Center or something. But um, so things like that where you're starting to see some creativity. Those are all, those are all really excellent ideas. Um, what have your students come up with? How are they feeling about this? It's interesting. Um, I've, I've <coughs> I had a class last week and I did a, a poll. It was a Zoom class. So we, there were 24 people and we did a chat within the class. And I said, tell me, I think, uh, when would you go to a live show again? Does it have to have a vaccine? Do you, do you not care? You would just go out if your favorite artist came and you don't care what the situation, no matter what, you would just go. And about half the class said it doesn't matter. They would go to a live show tomorrow if they could. And the oh dear. was kind of split between uh, either a vaccine or some sort of test so you could determine um, who, you know, test before we went in, like an instant test. So before you walk into this venue, we can see if you have it or not, that kind of thing. And if you're positive, even if you're asymptomatic, you don't get to go in. Exactly. Right. That's the problem with the young people, and not all of them, because some of them are getting it, um, but there's so many. It's so mildly, I think my daughter had it, and it was like she had a fever for five hours, and then it went away. I mean, there is uh, the option of live shows outside, I'd say the soonest, and hopefully maybe in the summer late summer mm -hmm. where there's only a certain number of maybe a smaller number of people allowed in and rules at the door you know when you get into the festival you have to stay a certain amount apart and wear masks um, there's ways to protect yourself but I would imagine concerts outside would come before concerts within clubs mm -hmm. Yesterday, those agents talked about the rollout will probably be, for example, clubs with 50 people or under. Yes. And see how that goes. Then 100 people are under. Then 200 are under. Yeah. But the idea. But I think there has to be social distancing for quite a while. Yes. But until there's a vaccine. Number, a yeah. large number of attendees is going to be a while. Yeah. I mean, the That's, main thing is that, you know, these people who go to these shows, some of them are older. I go to these shows. I'm in my 60s. And there are a lot of people who go to these shows that are older, particularly with the heritage artists. I go to the new bands, but that's sort of unusual. Um, and um, yes, we, we, can't, we can't be selfish about it because if clubs and booking agents want to make money, it's not an excuse to spread something and kill people. Right. And if I we, mean, we have, really have to be real about this, if we have the, uh, the vaccine or if we have that test, that immediate test as, soon, as you go in the door. 
Yeah. I think that's going to change a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of the paranoia. Um, maybe you could have a, you know, they have those drive-through trucks now where they have trucks outside of things. Yeah. And you could have a truck that you go and you line up and you, you get a pass. Well, they do have the saliva test now in New Jersey. They and do? That, yeah, that's, they have that in, um, I think they have it in Edison. And right. that's just started this week. And I think that's 15 minutes. Well, that's what they've had in Europe forever, and we're just so far yeah. behind. But that's great yeah. news. Yeah. That's fantastic news. And we have to support, you know, maybe the labels need to get together and support some of these agents. And in return, the agents have to give them a little bit of the income. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still a business. That's another way to do it. Um, just to keep them alive and to keep them going so that when we do have live shows. There are still agents who are, you know, not starving or out on the street. A lot of the younger agents really count on, I mean, they have a very thin profit margin. So I believe that it's up to the labels to do a lot of supporting of the arts and also grants and also not just music, but art and anything that can happen. I mean, with art exhibits, I mean, one could easily open up, sorry to change from music a little bit, but it is sort of comparable where you could have events at museums or galleries, which we have done, um, where you can sit on the floor um, and listen to a record and have some visuals and literally, you know, sort of sit on the floor or be on chairs that are several feet apart and listen to records that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you could get the press to do that still, you know, not right now, but as soon as that test is more available, you know, that's another way to get, to get music out mm -hmm. um, is through galleries where they're not as crazy as clubs. And you have like maybe five or six or seven shows and you don't even need the artist there. You just play the music and um, have some beautiful visuals, which can be done at home on computers. That reminds me of, I've, I've been thinking a lot about how music, uh, the live experience used to be when you go back to the Fillmore days. And Marcone yes. would be this, where um, a mix of kind of Kate, what you're talking about with the visuals and all that. And then they also used to do two sets a night. So the headliner would yes. come in and do the seven o'clock or eight o'clock show, play an hour and a half. Um, they get the audience out, then they get a whole new audience back in, then they have a set that started at, say, 11 o'clock. Um, right. Wondering if that might be a way to, um, for an art, because there are going to be that many more shows whenever this opens up where the people want to play. And if the band, instead of doing two nights in New York, they do one night, but two shows in one right. in New York. That mm -hmm. would be at least. Or if the band is paranoid, they can just everyone has so much visual content now <clears throat> they can use that and project it and create really i mean taryn O oh, for her last record with danger mouse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she moved a rock out of the desert to los angeles it was 10 tons we had to get a tractor trailer <laughs> and she put it in, an, in a gallery and and she did a projection of a movie on the rock, which was then projected all over the walls. And she did not perform, nor did Danger Mouse, but it was called a concert, a special event. Yeah. And you could not get in. I mean, it was so packed. Um, uh, I'd had to talk to her about rocks for about a year. And I think people <laughs> thought I was insane. I was like, can't we get a smaller rock? Can we build it out of styrofoam? And she's like, nope, has to be this rock. This rock's talking to me. So, <laughs> um, the point is, though, that one can do gatherings where it's a little more safe. Um, if it's in a sort of a, a venue such as um, that venue on the Upper West, the Upper East Side in New York, the New York 
um, society or I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they have talks there and big spaces, big theater spaces. Um, and maybe you just, rather than have, you know, if, if the capacity is 5,000, you put it down to 2,500. So there's seats between people. I mean, just to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, um, Ticketmaster and all those people that, you know, Live Nation in particular, that I consider rip off a lot of people. Um, and you can say that live if you want on radio. Um, they can be, they can afford to do that. They don't have to fill all the tickets, all the seats. Mm -hmm. Maybe the price goes up a little, but um, there is a way to do it where it's under control. There is some control. And that's something that you can sort of ease out. Um, and artists can even do what they used to do, which is to try out their new songs on audiences before they go and record. Mm -hmm. um, which is a, fa a fascinating thing. And, and fans of artists where they actually go see the show, people always say, oh, they want to hear the hits. Well, you can do a couple of the hits, but they would love to be the first to hear the material for a new record. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about the material as well and how you put your show together for these new types of gatherings. One thing I saw that was interesting, um, this was actually Zach Matari, who I work with. He played 45 seconds of a new song. And he said, right. I haven't finished this. What do you guys think? And he went and he played it. And, he, and at the end he said, should I finish this song or should I move on to something else? And it was this actually, is online. Yeah, it was actually really good. Almost like you're using all your fans fantastic. as a focus group, you know? And so oh, it's brilliant. And they, they feel so involved. Yeah. Right. Uh, Neil Young did several concerts before he made a record um, where he showed up at small venues, like anywhere from 50 to 150 theaters, like were just venues um, out of the blue. And he also did it at Carnegie Hall where he would play a song and he would ask the audience to put thumbs up or down for each song. Mm -hmm and choose the material for his next record, mm -hmm. which was an unbelievable experience. And you could do that online and the streams would be insane. Like if you want a lot of streams, you gotta get more creative than just doing a video. Yeah. I mean, what if, what if uh, you know, someone like Pink or, you know, or Drake or somebody got online the weekend or, and did this kind of thing with their material, the internet would probably explode. <laughs> I mean, you used to play before you recorded. Exactly, so that when the music, you knew what the audience responded to. And you would massage the, the song anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's gonna be very healthy for mm -hmm. records. I think it will end up making better records i believe in a weird way that we have this wonderful ability to use technology but that it's going to be a combination of that and going back to the troubadour days i mean it's going to go back to like the 60s and mm -hmm. forward in terms of technology and what a great combination we'll actually have great songs again mm -hmm. so I'm positive. I feel positive about it. I am not a naysayer where the business is going to disappear or it's in big trouble. Once again, the booking agents and the artists that make money from live have to work that much harder in terms of getting these things together and monetizing them. Um, and, I th and I think that the labels, I know our label has been willing to give advances on the next advance. like. Um, way before they're due. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're willing to support our artists um, to keep them going, you know, especially the ones who need it, the younger ones, and some of the older ones too who need it.
and people are are ready, um, still in production for movies, which take you know, up to six months to a year to get together before they start to film um, in terms of casting and all of those things, um, scoring, um, writing in titles. Um, those are things that continue. You know, a lot of music is quite a solitary thing. It's like writing, it's writing. And there are people who are able to write with Skype. The only problem with that is you can do the music, but I believe that it's very hard to get a performance out of an artist in terms of the vocals without some help. Um, and for them to know how to record their own voices because that's a very technical thing. Having the right mic, singing it properly, and having somebody tell you to you know, put more emotion in or change this or change that, it's really hard to do it without someone else in there. Um, I think self-produced records, that's the only problem is the vocals are not always the best. Somebody sent us a tweet and I yes. want to ask you this question and this will probably take us to the end, but it's, it's a good one, I think. It's from uh, Gigi Policino and she wants to know, uh, what advice would you give to a female who wants to go into A&R? Uh, what should she focus on or start doing now as a college student uh, to get her foot in the door? in the industry? And finally, is it harder for females to get into A&R, do you think? It is harder for females. Um, we just hired three new guys. We were okay. told they were going to be girls, and they ended up being boys, um, which annoyed me to no end. Um, it is harder. It's not impossible. Um, but the way that they will hire you to do A&R is either you get in there and they get to know you and your taste. Um, or you walk in with a few new bands, you don't necessarily know them, um, but you've found them and there's one on there that hasn't been signed that everybody falls in love with. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, this person has great taste. They develop a relationship where maybe it could take a few months, um, where they bring you stuff and, um, you can try to get a situation, which I do, whereas if somebody brings me something, I give them a finder's fee. And eventually, though, it's a matter of bringing in artists that aren't signed, showing the company what your taste is and what you can do, and letting them know your personality and that you're good with artists. Um, but you can also talk to managers and lawyers um whatever you need to do to make them aware of that and i might change i would say that we made a mistake but i would also say that because of the times people really do want to hire women it's a good it's a better time now because companies are criticized for not having enough women mm -hmm. so they're definitely considering considering women a lot more than they were um so i wouldn't be too dismayed by that I would say use it. And I would say once again, um, you know, they should be sending their CVs to HR now for the summer or internships. And there are, um, there are job temps. Yes. The temp jobs. To get in, to get in as a temp and uh, there was a girl that was answering our phone and she became an A&R person. Hmm. I mean, that's how she started because she was always playing amazing music. And so she moved into an assistant in the A&R department and then she was promoted. Now she's a vice president and she only, she created a situation where we didn't have a department which was just heavy metal and there really isn't any company that does. That's all she does is heavy metal. Mm -hmm. So you create yourself as something unique um, and not just a person who is duplicating what everyone else is doing. You have a much better chance. So you almost have to create your persona. It has to be real, but you have to show why you're unique and why a company 
will benefit from having you as an employee, whether you are a man or a woman. But I really do believe it's all based on the music and what you show them. We have a, a kid who used to work at Warner's. He's no longer working. And over the last year, he's been sending us bands. And it's been so consistent that we always take his calls. And as soon as we have a spot in New York, we're going to hire him because he's turned us on to so many great things. I think it's really the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you've, you've once again got to be patient. You may need to have another job while you're doing this for a little while. But just getting your foot in the door and making people aware that your love is music and giving people music to listen to, whether it being the marketing person, the sync person, <clears throat> and the A&R staff, and the publishing, if it's a publisher, eventually they're gonna say, what the hell is this? Where did you find this? This is amazing. At our company, if somebody brings something in, whatever department they're from, they usually partner up with an A&R person who teaches them how to do that job for that project so that they're involved. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that happens everywhere, but I also think independent labels um, may be easier to get in first and they won't pay as much, um, but it's giving you a, a piece, a little resume, um, which is a really good thing. And you can always get an interview with somebody, a company that's independent, like truly independent. And um, I know a handful of those. And so just getting that under your belt and signing a few acts um, where you have more freedom um, is really the way to start as an A&R person as well. That's another, that's how I would start. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, I would start working at an independent where they may just pay you, you know, small figure in the beginning, but you'd be doing what you love and you'd be doing it whatever, wherever you worked, you'd get a small figure in the beginning. So you can't worry about the money. You have to be able to be able to support yourself on something else or at least add something in the real world, um, whether it be through another job or through your family supporting you a little bit on what you want your career to be, that's just the reality. Um, but I think just showing your personality, um, you don't have to have a huge personality. You can be quiet and a gentle giant, but having commitment is the way to do it. And honestly, being a woman, I really feel like I don't think it's a problem right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably better right now than it has been for a long, long time when there were many more women or people, like in the in the eighties, nineties. Great. I'm sure you, I'm sure you remember that, Steve, right? When there were yeah. more female A and R people, like Karen Berg and Nancy Jeffries and yeah. all these unbelievable A and R people. They were like the best. We'll yeah. wrap it up, Dave. Yeah, Kate, you're the best. And right. Oh, please. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. Call my boss and tell him. Okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll send out some emails and um, some candy grams right after this. Actually, actually yeah. yesterday, no. When was the last <laughs> I hope that Wait. gives her some, I, get, I hope I that gives her some responses. And I would say you do them all at once. You try everything at once. Don't just try one thing. Sure. Send in your, send in your resume, um, call a temp agency. If you're not a graduate and you can still become an intern, go for that. And also go for indie labels. Um, if you find something that you think is truly commercial, get an appointment with a major to see an A&R person. I see people I don't know all the time. They send me music and if I love it, I wanna meet with them. Um, and most A&R people do that. It used to be that you needed a lawyer to submit music. That no longer is the case. It's very easy to get someone's email. 
it's very easy to just send it to them without knowing them. You introduce yourself on email. You make it very brief. You give a small paragraph about the band and you put the music in. Great. That's helpful stuff. I wish I had listened to you tell me this back in uh, 1989 when I was trying to shop my music around. <laughs> Just, and the other thing is never, ever be scared to get in touch with someone who's got a big name or you think will never take your call or read your email. Never, ever be intimidated. They may mm -hmm. not, but they may. Hmm. And um, a company like mine, we do. I do. Yeah. So maybe there's other people who do. That's great. Nice. All right. Well, Kate Hyman, VP A&R, BMG, thank you so much for appearing on Music Biz 101 and more. You're so very welcome. I love you guys. And we hope to see you soon. Stay safe. You too. All and right. your All families right. and everybody who's going to listen to this, please stay safe. That's nice. Thank you, Kate. Okay. Talk right. to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, Dr. Esteban. So now we're going to close this out, this great episode of Music Biz 101 More on Brave New Radio. Thank you for everything that you did to bring it today, Esteban. Yes. And we don't say hello. Not at the end of every show. How silly would that be? Right. Do you know what we say? I don't think you yes. do. You do know. I'll do <laughs> we do not say how to meet her same. No, that's Zimbabwean. No, neither of show we say.